Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 94 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Today, we're going to be uh, working with the iGel crew, which is a big part of the uh, Citrix story, has been for a couple of years, and a big part of the Zintegra Citrix story. Uh, we're using a blog that uh, has been out for a month or so now uh, called Empower Your Hybrid Workforce with Citrix and iGel Technology. I guess before we go there, uh, introduce the panel here. Bill Sutton, how's it going? Going well, Andy, and you? I am uh, busy as always, but in a kind of good way. Same here. Um, ben Rogers from Citrix. Ben, uh, a lot of things going on at Citrix. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Andy? Glad to be back on. I know I've missed the last couple of weeks, so I apologize, but good to be back on the panel. Looking forward to today's uh, topic. And we've skipped a couple of weeks, so apologies to our listeners for that, uh, as well as you know, some of us have not been able to attend. It's just... It's just the new normal. Uh, luckily, we started this uh, blog, this podcast series during the during the pandemic, and a lot of people like Chris and Ben and Bill and myself kind of we were in our home offices. Uh, I am probably the biggest uh, biggest victim uh, of this. Maybe is where I'm, you know, I'm out and about now. I'm trying to do podcast and trying to travel, um, but uh, we've things are going to change. Uh, but we'll do the best we can to continue to get content out. And I appreciate you guys continuing to be dedicated and joining these. Uh, on that note, uh, Chris Feeney is uh, the channel sales engineer for iGel, at least here on the East Coast. And Chris and I have been doing iGel-related podcasts for, well, probably a year now. And Chris is on from iGel to help represent their side of the Citrix iGel partnership that we're covering in today's blog. Chris, how's it going? It's going great, guys. Um, I am uh, getting over last week a cold, so I sound like a frog on Thursday and Friday. And Sound uh, a little bit more normal today, so I'm excited about today's topic because we've got a lot to uh, to unravel here. I uh, I was in Orlando and I talked to a Nutanix uh, account manager the other day, and she mentioned how good a voice I had for podcasting, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, I sound like Kermit the Frog, even when I'm not sick. <laughs> well, we're not using it, but but having that sort of that that uh, what is that auto tune thing that kind of makes it sound better, you know, that would be kind of cool. Little podcast version of it, but yeah, there's lots we can anyway. Do. I think, in all honesty, um, she was being nice and polite. I, what I did appreciate that she and other people said last week when I was traveling is how much of our content they consume and how much they feel it is valuable to them as a customer or as a partner or as a salesperson. Uh, what I'm getting at here is, guys, is what we're doing with these podcasts where we're covering blogs that people either didn't have time to read or didn't have the ability to, to gleam as much content from just by reading it is, is valuable. And I had a lot of comments last week of people appreciating what we're doing. That's good to hear. Awesome. Uh, Chris, let's, uh, let's jump in a little bit by, well, let's talk about you briefly. Your background is what, as it relates to the EUC and Citrix world. Um, so uh, in that regard, I, I kind of got into that. So my fr- I first heard about Citrix when I first came to Raleigh, like 20-something years ago. I heard about this thing. I was working for a, a local resale at the time in Raleigh, and they were talking about this thing with Citrix they were doing with the local state government. And um, about a year or so later, I got a chance to really kind of mess around with it, uh, help out with uh, some projects there, and got a chance to see what it actually could do. Um and then after about five years, I went into the vendor space as a sales engineer, technical consultant. And uh, we have a, we had software that was on the endpoint 
didn't really call it the endpoint at that time. Um, but that end user experience thing that kind of began in 05 for me. And I've been kind of in that space since, uh, really just, um, uh, you know, learning about users workflow, obviously the technologies on the back end, uh, helping build a company from nothing to something and that type of thing. And then transitioning and learning about thin clients along the way and VDI and all that other stuff. So that's sort of been my journey the last 20 years. Yeah. Can't believe it. Some of that was uh, in, in the healthcare world where Citrix shows up a lot. Right. It really got a, a, a you know, jumping into it in the thick in the, with Improvada, you know, just, I mean, healthcare by then Citrix had really penetrated quite a bit in healthcare. And so we had to figure out how to work well with, with, with Citrix and also be on the forefront of adding new functionality uh, that would meet their needs, especially in the shared workstation. That was really the key thing in healthcare, a lot of shared workstations, not not individual machines that users would have. And so learning how to do work there and how to integrate with Citrix and, and whether it's roaming sessions, leaving them up, closing them cleanly, all that fun stuff, um, virtual channel, blah, 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 peripheral, this, whatever that, um, you know, kind of cut your teeth along the way, as well as develop some sort of new things that might start off as little code snippets. And then eventually you see it make its way into the product as a policy checkbox, this, that, or the other. Um, that that's been kind of cool to be part of some of those projects. And Ben, uh, Rogers, you used to run a healthcare practice that included Citrix and IGEL. Uh, I bet you and Chris either know each other or have a lot of history together. I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah, we I've I've known Chris for oof, I would have to say ten, maybe more years. But a lot of times, how many hymns? How many hymns yeah, was it? A lot, a lot of hymns. But he would be part of my uh, yearly pilgrimage to hymns, and would be one of the people I would see out to see what was new in his world. Unfortunately, I could never convince CNSA to go down the Improvada path. It is a, a Shiny penny for that functionality, worth every bit of it, but it is a it is an expensive entry point. But I was always uh, excited to go see what Chris was involved in, and so you know it was a little bit of shock to me when Chris left Improvada and came over to Igel. So I see he's continued to be successful. And again, when I saw the topic this morning, I am excited because as a an, a former customer. I'm kind of interested. I don't want to steal the thunder of the presentation, but when we get into this chip shortage, I'm really going to start to ask some questions of, you know, how can customers look at their current hardware inventory and potentially evolve into an inventory that's more thin than fat? And so, again, when I saw this topic today, it just made me excited to have you on and the topic that we're presenting, but it also has presented some questions I would have if I was a customer and I was stuck in a fat client environment and I knew that thin technology was coming down the pipe and it was a direction I needed to take my organization. Then I'm going to hop on a word you just said. You just said stuck, right? Stuck in a fat client world. It used to be that uh, the flat, fat client was, and by fat client, what we mean is Windows, Windows running on the endpoint. It used to be that was what brought capability into your world. What IGEL brings to the Citrix story is capability that with Citrix all of a sudden solves what that fat client world had and you can start to move away from it and get the productivity benefits and probably most importantly these days, well, productivity is super important, both from the admin as well as the end user 
And then as the article, the blog that we're looking at here talks about a lot is uh, security. And at some point that becomes the compelling reason to get, get out of being fat and stuck in being fat and proactively moving to thin. Yeah. And then just a comment on that. Um, I was thinking about this as I was prepping, uh, prepping for today's call. Um, uh, several things that come to mind, right? I mean, what we're talking about, our, our biggest piece of the integration with Citrix is the workspace app. Um, full stop, period, in the sentence. Um, now, there's multiple versions of that. You have the Windows version, you have a Mac version, you have a whatever. So the Linux version is really what I wanted to kind of key in on today because there's been a lot of updates to try to bring more parity functionality and stuff like that. And, and so... It has been the most important relationship from an IGL vendor perspective, in my opinion. Uh, others would probably agree. Some may disagree, Chris, but... Chris, can I double down on that real quick before we move on yeah. to the next thing? And that is, this isn't the IGL workspace app. This is, and there's three of them in every OS, uh, mm -hmm. IGL OS. This is the Citrix Linux workspace mm -hmm. app, the native Citrix Linux workspace app. You're not... Correct changing it and making it your own, you're embracing what Citrix does and applying that to the solution you guys bring to market. Right. And and even further, so um, you probably have met or heard on maybe on this podcast or, or the Agile One, Jim Erdu, who, who used to be at Citrix, a legend there from what I understand. Um, but he uh, he, is, he has been working uh, jointly with uh, Agile PM product management, as well as Citrix PM to, to identify and add and continually do more things to get the roadmaps lined up to the point where this week they're going to release general availability 2111 of the workspace app. Agile will have it day one. And there's been, uh, we got a tech preview with some of the new functionality. I'm sorry, 2112, excuse me. That's the one, not 2111. Uh, and it's got some updates with some stuff that have been features that have been uh, waiting for this to come out, stuff like that. And so this is the type of relationship that IGEL has with Citrix so that we can uh, work jointly with them. Obviously, customer demand, uh, market opportunities, things like that to, to continually give, make it a whole lot easier for a customer to go from fat to thin, I guess, to go back to what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Um, every time I say that, though, I... <laughs> well, so I was... wonder if a, we should use different terms. I did a, um, a fat... Oh, and we should be, you know, to make people... Operating system. But fat operating system to thin operating system. And notice we're saying operating system, not hardware. You know, I did yes. a roadshow last week, a couple of customer events, and I am still shocked to this day, the amount of people that think of thin clients as the little device or big device, but the device and not the operating system that powers whatever device the device is. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. And, and this is where I start to look at it as a customer. So let's say I'm a customer we got an aging population of Windows machines, and I want to get out of the Windows business, except for on the application side where I'm using Citrix to, de to deliver that. But I want to reduce the footprint out on the endpoint. So one of the things that has interested me is using the IGL OS on my existing hardware. And that would get me an entry point into, you know, kind of this IGL world or this thin OS world or very uh, small footprint OS world. So then I start to kind of get on this bandwagon, kind of give me an idea of how you're coaching clients into 
bite-sized pieces that makes this sense of, all right, we've taken on the OS piece of this. We've gotten our current hardware up to speed. Now, what's next? Tell me how the journey continues. Chris, you want to jump in? Yeah, I was thinking of a couple of things, right? So, um, it, and I'll plug a, one of our other vendors that that's kind of helping with that journey. Um, we we did a, a webinar recently with our friends at, at Lakeside, where you know they they have a tool where you can assess. Um, I'm sorry, Liquidware. Lakeside could probably do it too, but Liquidware has a tool you you run an assessment and see like, all right, what devices can I convert to iGel? First of all, let's start there. Now that, okay, and that might be, um, I'm going to just give them a browser, log in, get to Citrix, for example, or maybe I'll run the full workspace app or something. Uh, but now what's the next step? Maybe I do need to now take into account unified comms delivery. And I'm, and I'm thinking in my mind, uh, since Bill's on the call, a, a project that, that came up recently where, you know, uh, they had a situation where they needed to use Zoom and then they needed more things more video feeds from Zoom. And, and so you had limitations with the Zoom VDI functionality coming out of a Citrix backend down to the endpoint to process video audio. And so we were trying to figure out, is it just a better hardware piece? We thought that might be the answer and it did help, but it wasn't the full answer. But Bill with his, you know, 30 plus years of Citrix experience, did I get you on that right? Maybe it's 20, <laughs> a little 25. high, but I'll go with it. Well, all right, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna round up. Yeah, uh, there's so there's there's a functionality uh, host to client redirection. It's been around for a while. I don't know exactly how long, but we leveraged that because it was a back end of Zenapp published server. Downloaded that to the Igel device, and Bill was able to work and you know produce a scenario where where we uh, being Linux, we actually had the Zoom Linux client that launched natively when the user clicked on a link to start it, and then they could get their multiple video feeds. Uh, and that's the collaborative effort, right? It's, it's a, it's a combination of functionality that already exists, but being able to marry those two together ultimately is really where the power comes together. Um, so, um, that's, that's one, uh, idea, but I, I think to, to Ben's question, yeah, there's a lot of devices out there that if all you're doing is just getting the Citrix, you don't need to necessarily go and buy, but you can have tools where you can kind of assess um, what can we do with what we've got? And then, okay, now let's add on some additional functionality that we need to use unified comms, or maybe it's CAD or whatever, really need to take advantage of some of that newer hardware. And that's where those tools can really help you figure that out. So Bill, we've kind of had you quiet here. What's, what's your, if you had to sum up iGel and how it brings solutions into the Citrus population customer base that we have, how would you sum that up? Oh, goodness. Um, it adds a lot of value in, in providing an environment that uh, is locked down, much more secure than a Windows endpoint. Um, you know, it can support all of the functionality uh, that we historically see in traditional endpoints um, at a lower price point. That, that, that's good. Let me let me give you my way of saying it. Perhaps less complexity would go in there as well. But, you know, Here, here's my way of saying exactly. It ain't Windows and it still works. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would sum it up in uh, in one sentence or less. Andy, you need to we need to take that to the bank right there. Let's make that like a new thing. It ain't Windows and it still works. Like that, it's yeah. your kickoff. I want T-shirts. Let's it get clear on it. And that's <laughs> and that's not a knock on Microsoft. I yeah. I love Microsoft, 
It's just what's well, in the cloud. Brings, what Microsoft brings to the endpoints in a cloud-centric, delivered, not deployed, but delivered world is just way more than I need. Well, and, and also the world's changing, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a Microsoft world for business. You needed to get work done. You had to rely heavily on Microsoft with Google coming on, you know, Apple's getting more presence in the market. I mean, it's just, it's a changed world. And with that users have gone through the paradigm shift. Like Andy, you and I keep kind of going back to our conversation five years ago. I think users are now ready to move away from a, a windows desktop and they're more apt to go into a workspace type of environment when you're where you're delivering their tools that they need to do their lives then bring them into an interface that then allows them to launch applications to to do things so i think people's paradigm shifts now i'm still curious about this now i've got igil in i'm running on my existing hardware when my existing hardware starts to die i mean you know i i used to convert pcs over to thin clients and one of the things my crew used to ask me is, you know, at what point is it not worth having that old hardware out there? Well, power supplies, you know, there, there are pieces in those machines that are going to break down that's going to be expensive to change. Once you go into the thin client hardware brand, kind of give me an idea of what's going on there. Do you have units that can handle these multimedia things? This problem you just talked about with Zoom where they need more windows, more video are the thin clients that are being produced capable of handling those hardware specs, or do you still have to go out and buy a machine that could run Windows to get that kind of performance in an IGEL OS world? So, so Ben, bef before we answer that question, quantify for us the average piece of PC hardware that was bought to run Windows is going to last how long, in your opinion? Three years. No, 36 months. No, not the not its not its viability, but it, the hardware itself. How oh, long is it well, going to run? Well, I mean, man, it, it, for me, it's been hit or miss. Now, I was an HP guy when when I was in the PC, so man, I would think that I could get anywhere from thirty six to sixty months out of a unit. But after sixty months, the U, the UPS is the first thing to die, or yeah. some kind of chipset on the motherboard. And once you start having to shop for those parts it's almost cheaper to replace the unit in general. But, you know, again, that's why I'm asking the question. Well, so, but, but maybe to quantify it, to pin you down on a number, if I were to say 60 months is not unusual, if not longer for a piece of computer hardware to last before you had to start replacing parts, is that a fair? Yeah, I would say that's the max that you would get, man. I would say anywhere from, once you hit that four-year mark, things are going to start breaking. Yeah. See, I, I, I see them lasting longer than that, but I, you've got real world experience. But OK, so to answer your question around uh, around transitioning to actual thin client hardware, running a thin client operating system, Chris, you want to address how you fit the right hardware to the operating system in the use case, knowing that the operating system, in this case, iGel, is going to apply whether it's on low end hardware or hardware, uh, high end hardware. Yeah, so it is is a key thing, right? We we have actually, um, for us, IGEL has obviously shifted our focus to the operating system. So we had, you know, for years been known as a thin client company, and we had, you know, thin client models that were developed. So our top of the line model is the UD7. I'm actually running that on my desk, connecting to an RDP session where I'm running the Zoom call from. So it's our most powerful device for 
sports, this, whatever that, I mean, all, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's uh, top use case would be like, you know, uh, engineering folks doing CAD drawings and stuff like that, obviously in a remote scenario, our middle of the road, the model UD three, and then our low end model UD two. So there's certain types of hardware functionality, AMD chipset, this, or processors that, that when you're in a world where you're offloading teams in zoom, WebEx, whatever, down to the endpoint where it's better to process that locally versus in the back end where it's more expensive and certainly can clog the uh, thing, uh, the, the pipe. Uh, the endpoint matter, the endpoint hardware is going to matter. So we have some tools to help you figure out, like, all right, I, I have a use case, you know, and and uh, you know, based on what we're trying to do with Zoom, for example, we know that it can only support up to a certain number, and it says processor dependent kind of stuff or whatever. So you do your math and you figure out, okay, that's going to map to either this iGel device or one of our iGel ready vendors from Tenzig to HP to Lovo to OnLogic to whatever. There's a bunch of vendors out there that have gone through that. Or I've got a bunch of existing devices that are core i5, core i7s or whatever that are five years old. They've hit that 60 month mark. They've got six gigs of RAM, you know, two processors, four cores or whatever. And you look at that, you turn that into an iGel OS managed device that is already a more powerful thin client than probably all the ones i just mentioned you know it's just you know a fatter machine right but these days i mean that device could be on a laptop or something smaller about you know the size of a uh, thing but so that's how you can map it i think that's where the the uh, you know our vendor friends from liquidware they have this tool that can go assess like what's the use case what do we know the requirements are to meet that use case from a hardware perspective or whatever? Okay, well, which devices you already own are going? Are we know we're going to meet that? You know, without even converting yet. Then you can take a UD Pocket, for example, an IGO UD Pocket, plug it into that Windows machine, try it out, and make sure before you then fully convert. So there's multiple ways to get there. So Ben, I, I want to comment, but I want you to comment back first, based on what Chris brought up i would have to say if i was still sitting in a director role and i was looking at you know that cross point of i've either got to get these existing pcs out and go to new hardware or bleed these pcs even more i would bring in this liquidware tool because it would be interesting to me to see what my inventory how much life i could bleed out of it now there's some other things i would also be researching what's my power supply life going to be how hard is my power supply is going to be able to change now i got one more question hey ben mm -hmm. before you before you move on though I, I, you said exactly what i needed you to say if you were a cio and you were you were in this scenario you're you're trying to decide should i or shouldn't i right that's that's the, the kind of what you just said right yeah yeah and then i factor in oh this chip shortage thing where you don't have a choice now it probably changes your urgency to do it versus pondering doing reusing old hardware yeah. Now, so I, I do have a question on that, you know, is IGEL having inventory shortages on their hardware because of these chip shortages? I know this exists, but to me, I primarily have seen this, you know, impact cars. Uh, man, Citrix has had a little bit of of an issue with it as far as being able to ship out some of the newer SDX boxes and the chipsets that goes inside of those. But I don't know how much of this chip shortage is, you know, drove into the endpoint world every vendor i gel included 
Now, some wow. have more volume than others, the likes of HP or LG or the, you know, obviously much bigger companies than iGel, but uh, iGel has been impacted by it. Um, and the, the timing of our iGel Ready program was actually quite, quite good because I think we started to see the impact of the chip storage late last year. I sorry, I forgot what year we're in. Twenty twenty one now. Twenty, I would say, probably this year, maybe. Um, but the but the impact uh, of that began to get felt in a lot of ways, whether it was from uh, supply chain or other things. Um, but yeah, every vendor has been dealing with it. Uh, you've probably seen, like, you said, more of it, like with pictures of cars on in parking lots that can't get finished because the chips aren't aren't available yet or something, but. Um, but yeah, we've, we've dealt with it. And then when we had opportunity, we'll fill up inventory for iGel devices. But, um, but a lot of this is driven towards um, the iGel Ready program. Um, you probably heard about the HP uh, announcement. Uh, we've been doing stuff with Lenovo now for almost a year. I mean, uh, LG is a strong partner. So there's many more options now for customers to consider uh, than there was if they do have to go down the new endpoint hardware side of things. So now but. let me ask this question and, mm-hmm. and Andy, you, you said this was coming in the, in the blog, um, security. So, you know, on windows oh. I've got, I've got, go ahead, Andy. Well, sorry. before you transition to that, I just want to highlight, and I know you guys are saying this, talk around it, but for our listeners, does IGEL have chip shortage issues of their own? Yes. Does that cool whip go great on every device out there potentially, or most and does that chip shortage become less of an impact on an iGel? Uh, absolutely. Um, just didn't want to miss the opportunity to double down on this chip shortage thing for iGel is probably the gift of a lifetime because they were trying to transition to a software-centric, mostly conversation. And this is forcing people who weren't thinking that way to think that way. Right. And I guess, again, the key thing is, is uh, to, it's what we've been discussing is if you do have to go that route because of chip shortages, low inventory, whatever like that, and you're sitting on a five years or seven year old devices that you've kind of been babysitting or whatever, making sure that they can, it's very likely they can, they can continue to produce for another couple of years at least. And the cool thing is, even if they do die, the IGEL license doesn't die with it. You can transfer it to a new machine that you replace it with ultimately. Yeah, I mean- whether it's Citrix, Zintegra, iGel, this pandemic thing, it's very unfortunate, right? But it's accelerated people who could either weren't thinking this direction or weren't ready to think this direction. It's accelerated their thinking and probably in the long run, great for yeah. everybody on this call. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Ben, ask that question again. No, now, so where, where I am now shifting my focus on as a customer is I go, okay, I'm running iGel. What's my security options as far as, you know, an endpoint agent that can run against that, that can, you know, uh, fight off attackers that come? Because I know right now we go, you know, Linux, low footprint, low threshold of attack, but smart, smart guys out there, man, they get in, they're going to be looking at these boxes. How can we protect these boxes? What solutions are out there for that? Well, let's let's double down on what you said a minute ago. Let's walk through this and I'll let Chris do it. Chris, just iGel by default from a security perspective, other than the fact that it ain't Windows, uh, walk through those. And then, yes, then let's address you know, Ben's concerns around ways to secure that further. Yeah, and we've got a ton of this on our website. Uh, certainly, uh, there's a whole lot of security at the edge thing, but 
Um, but it, it really, be, there's several ways to look at it, right? I mean, if you look at the endpoint operating system market, you know, Linux has a distinct advantage because we're not, Linux is in general, not out as much as Windows has been. So what are the viruses and the malware and all that other stuff they've been targeting for obviously the low hanging fruit? Uh, so that's one thing. But Agile in general was built, you know, in 20 years. In fact, this Friday is our 20 year uh, birthday as a company. And the founder built this from the ground up. The goal was to build something for the internet, obviously a secure operating system. And so it was built with security in mind, not bolted on after the fact. So by converting a device immediately, you have a much stronger security posture than you would just installing Windows. In fact, I saw uh, just this past weekend, it was funny because I actually uh, installed Windows 11 on a device. And I, I saw something about how there's already a day zero uh, Windows 11 build vulnerability. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just shut that device down for a little while <laughs> and continue to run my IGEL UD pocket off of it, you know, and that's the kind of stuff we, you don't hear about that. There's a, like I said, there's a bunch of stuff here, but from the get-go, there's already a low attack vector because the ports are, are minimal, you know, in fact, I, I started my career at IGEL three, almost three and a half years ago in federal, going in an environment that, A, we had never really focused on and having to go in and where the first thing they're going to do is scan your device. And very often they would scan is like, is it even out there? Like, uh, yeah, it's turned on right here. What do you, what's wrong? And, you know, they said, well, we want to scan what's in the box. Like, well, by default, SSH is not allowed for root user and that type of thing. So we had to actually allow them privileged access to go in and scan what's inside the box where they would see versions of this or versions of that. So it was already by nature designed, you know, to, to handle that. And one of the coolest things that I remember working on was uh, my first big account, government accountability office. They had a bunch of Windows laptops that had disk encryption this and, and uh, RSA token that or whatever. And when we were in this and the, and the security team was asked us, well, what happens when we do, when we convert these things over to IGEL? And I said, well, you're probably not going to need that disk encryption software because A, we're not saving anything local to the device. All that stuff is in Citrix like it has been. Uh, and so, um, and then, uh, so pre-boot authentication that, you know, if they lost the laptop, it didn't really matter. There wasn't anything local on it anyway for them to be concerned about. And so we were already able to save them money on some of those things that they were paying for on the endpoint licensing wise, virus this or whatever that. So, and in many respects, you don't need that antivirus software. We have, I will say this in full transparency, we have just today, I'm looking at an email thread. CrowdStrike, which is a very popular uh, monitoring solution, whatever they have a Linux client, and so we get we get requests for, hey, can we put that on your endpoint and and have it give us information? Okay, do you really need it? Like, are you going to be able to do something? If, if, if maybe, but there's no real massive need for a malware protection kind of, uh, and I say this in quotes, right? But believe me, there's a whole lot of security already built into the IGEL OS um, natively. And then you can add additional things by just disabling stuff that you don't need. Uh, a lot of that is based on our modular design. So if you're a Citrix shop and you don't need anything VMware related, turn it off. Don't even have it installed. Uh, that type of stuff. So, so, so Chris, let me, let me take a, do it like really succinctly. So Ben, uh, Linux, so it's, less attack vector, but still attackable, right? It's code written by human beings. 
Um, it's read only. So the layers that make up IGEL and Chris, you can comment on this. Those by default are read only. So reboots make whatever was laid down there intentionally or unintentionally go away. You want to comment on the read only, the really aspect of IGEL real quick? Yeah. Um, it's like I said, designed from the ground up so that, you know, by default, we remove things like uh, if you, if you install Ubuntu Linux by itself, right? It has capabilities of going out, downloading updates and that type of thing, or going out and downloading software. That whole component is completely removed from Agile Linux. We control that. Um, so, um, but if you were to say, I'm going to go and try to download this PDF from this website to the local desktop, whatever, uh, if it were even allowed, because you can control that as well, let's just say it was on a reboot, it's gone. doesn't even exist. So uh, read only is there because we protect the modules. We protect the partitions where these things are, are installed. Um, we have some areas where you, some would say, well, it's not truly read only. Well, yeah, we do have areas of the operating system uh, partitions that are carved out where we can allow customization things to remain on a reboot, such as custom wallpapers, custom icons, uh, branding, you know, you want to change the IGEL start menu icon to something else, right? Those things do are allowed and they do exist, but they're also in an area that are not going to touch other parts of the operating system that are controlled and secured. And it's also all of that is encrypted too. So, um, so one of the things you could easily do is just look at our read only, a read uh, mean the, the, the notes that come out when a new version and you can scroll down and you can see what new things are added. And then what security fixes have been updated. So Firefox, Chromium are built-in browsers. If they issue a new version of Firefox that, that targets CVE this or whatever that, you're going to see all of that listed in the read-only notes, read-only notes, the readme notes, excuse me. So we do stay on top of those things from a security perspective. So, so Ben, Linux, read-only, most of it, at least the parts that are likely to be exploited. Um, and then I think Chris hit on it. Chris, there are antivirus uh, malware types of agents that are built into the operating system. If you want to try to uh, leverage those as part of your additional security efforts. Yeah. And here's a really cool one. I'm going to just going to highlight this is another security thing, right? So Citrix has a feature called user agent string and network requests. Um, where does that come into play? So you're coming in from a, device running iGel and your security team wants to know that uh, I don't know where this where this is coming from. I don't even know what iGel is. I'm not going to let it through. Well, with this user agent request, which is now built into the Workspace app 2109 and higher, you can go in on your uh, Netscaler, ADC, whatever, and say, all right, I'm going to add a user agent string called iGel, whatever it might say. And you're going on the on the iGels management console, you're going to push that down into the device so that when it comes in and checks and you say, ah, I trust that device because it's an iGel one. I know it. it's this version of that, whatever that string happens to be, and it matches it. So it's not just some unknown device that they've never heard of coming in from a Citrix perspective. And now they're like, oh my gosh, alerts and fire alarms are going off. Where is this? Who is this coming in? You can even do that. And so there's these addition this is where that whole product management functionality that that the collaboration effort to get things like that so from a security perspective you can say all right not only on the network when i'm scanning but also when people are coming in remotely or whatever now i have a string that tells me it's an IGEL device i trust it i'm going to let it in uh that type of thing 
Hey, hey Ben, you asked the question. Thoughts on the answers? <laughs> so, if I, again, if I was sitting back as a former customer, one of the things Chris said right off the bat that really caught my ear that I haven't thought of is the reduction of complexity. If you just look at getting rid of, you know, the encryption software that's going to be needed. I had laptops that were for doctors, for physical therapists, you name it. Somebody wanted a laptop, but all those laptops had to be encrypted. They all had to have the ability to talk to Big Fix that would do the Windows updates. <clears throat> so the fact that I can go to, you know, less expensive hardware, thinner OS, OS, you know, one thing I will compliment on with IGEL from working at in the past is they've got an awesome user console. So firmware upgrades, uh, you know, any kind of software upgrades, the console is very rich in being able to do that. Getting statistical data from the thin clients was always good. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, getting rid of the Windows headache, getting rid of the encryption uh, pains I have to go to, getting rid of the, you know, users lose the device, they've got to report it, we've got to do incident reports and all that jazz. I mean, just the complexity of those few things that I heard when Chris was talking up front about how we can get rid of some aches and pains that we have, that would be worth the money in itself. And then the fact that I now go to a much simpler device that I can manage holistically across my entire environment instead of having Windows rules for this, Windows rules for this, Windows rules for this crowd. Now on the endpoint, I just put a simple image out there. Now that all gets collapsed back into Citrix is being managed by, you know, a very technical, highly experienced team. It's just, it makes sense to me, you know, it's just a, and then the ability for CrowdStrike, which I had in my former uh, environment. I mean, now I can look at my company and go, we can extend our existing AV solution. Not that we really need to do that, but from a compliance standpoint, you know, your compliance officer goes, no, every device has to have some kind of AV on it. Well, okay, here you go. We, we have the ability to put Linux agents on these devices and they can run and we don't need it. But if the checkbox forces us to do it, then why not? Chris, uh, CrowdStrike, are there others that are embedded by default? So to be full transparent on this one, CrowdStrike is not embedded. We're, uh, I was referring to a custom partition conversation that was uh, going on in email. So they have a Linux agent and apparently uh, a particular customer or customers, prospects, whatever, uh, were asking if they could install. Now, what information they want from it, I don't know. Uh, when I was on Fed, I had a similar type of request type type thing where they, maybe they wanted a Netscaler agent or something, right? Uh, uh, but if there is a Linux, this kind of ties into some of that customization piece, right? If there is a Linux piece of software that a customer insists, hey, we, we want that on the input for whatever reason, okay, then it, it's likely that we could build it in such a way that it can be installed and then you can get information from that. So one other example for me was um, uh, one of my first federal accounts, FDIC, was was a, they had a Pulse Secure VPN and they, they needed a specific, very similar to that user agent string they needed their endpoints to connect to VPN first before they could get those to their, to their remote desktop. And so they, uh, the, the Linux version of that uh, didn't have as much uh, functionality as the Windows one for, for different reasons, but we had one piece to it. And then now when they did connect in, they could say, ah, oh, that's coming from a managed device uh, running iGel that we, we know about, and we're going to let it in with VPN. And then the user would access their uh, secure uh, desktop. Um, 
I did want to say one thing. Um, I mentioned earlier that preboot stuff, right? Coincidentally, in 11.06, IGEL OS 11.06, which we just released in the last month, we actually did add that functionality. So uh, if a customer needs it, there is now a capability to do a preboot auth for whatever reason. Uh, we've outlined a whole reasons, bunch of reasons why you may not need it, but if there are some reasons why you do want it, we actually do have it now. And I'm not going to go into details on that, but there's a hunt. There's a lot of security functionality you get with IGEL natively that you can probably spend a whole ton of time on. And um, again, if you look at our README notes on any release, you'll see what security patches are there for Citrix, this or VMware or uh, Firefox, Chromium, whatever. We we are very very transparent with that, and um, uh, we're not we're not we don't get far behind on a lot of that stuff. If there's a vulnerability, we patch it and we update it and include it in the firmware. A lot of reasons why you should go to iGel versus uh, remain on Windows. I'll just tell you that. And we haven't even really talked about ransomware attacks and actual customers that dealt with that and then had to, um, you know, mitigate that uh, by switching to iGel, whether it's a UD pocket or whatever. But there have been customers where that has been the case, uh, where they were either rolling out iGel, all of them getting into a Citrix environment, Windows machines got compromised, to the tunes of thousands of devices, whereas the, the the few hundred that they had on IGEL weren't compromised at all, still accessing Citrix or whatever. Yeah, I want to I so, come back to that proactiveness, whether it's security or other things. Bill, we've kind of held you a little quiet. Thoughts or comments? Well, I was just going to, I've been sitting here taking, kind of soaking it all in, but uh, I was thinking about going back a few years ago, a lot of customers, and, and we probably, we run into this today, uh, we used to say the endpoint didn't matter, but at the end of the day, the endpoint did matter uh, because if it was a Windows endpoint, particularly in a corporate environment. It still needed to be managed, even if you tried to convert it using, you know, the desktop lock or other tools to a, to be a standalone machine that could only access your Citrix environment. You still had to secure that device, make sure it was patched, make sure AV was on it and up to date, and so forth. Linux uh, IGEL basically reduces or eliminates, nearly eliminates the need for almost all of that. Certainly we, we we do have to update it. You do have to update it periodically, but it certainly doesn't have the attack surface, um, nor the breadth of, of attacks that you see in a Windows environment. So the, the corporate customer then really significantly reduces what they have to manage and maintain uh, versus a Windows-centric uh, environment. So Bill, which one matters, the, the endpoint operating system or the endpoint hardware? Probably the endpoint hardware now, but but they both matter. That's where yeah. IGEL comes and solves the first problem, and then it's up to you to get the right hardware to go underneath correct. IGEL. But, but if you need the yeah. problem solved, IGEL is going to have it solved, and it's going to be a proactive thing. Unlike some of the other vendors, where I've been around them for years and years and years, a feature comes out in the Microsoft world, the Citrix world, where have you, and it might take six months, twelve months, twenty-four months before you could even start testing it, much less have it ready day one. That's right. And and the other thing about the, the benefit, one of the advantages of IGEL is the ability that to run it on pretty much any hardware, just about any hardware. I remember a number of years ago, another thin client manufacturer released thin client laptops uh, that that garnered some interest, but you were, you were basically um, pigeonholed into their hardware in order to run their OS because the two were married. 
Whereas with Agile, we can we don't have that that requirement. We can use pretty much any any laptop based hardware we want um, that the Agile OS will run on based on their um, compatibility lists, which is pretty pretty vast. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. We are seeing some of those vendors. Um, I know. Um, I think I'm allowed to say this, but if not, oh well. Somebody will slap <laughs> me on the wrist. HP, we, we've got thin client models, but they're also uh, going to soon be uh, uh, validating, I guess is probably the right word, uh, mobile thin clients. Mobile in quotes means laptop-ish, right, right. Uh, which will be really cool. So I, off to the side here, I'll bring it over, show and tell if you're watching video. LG Graham's got a really nice thin client operating system. This is a mobile thin client running iGels. In this case, I got the UD Pocket plugged in, but... Uh, so, you know, uh, among other devices, I've got an old laptop here that is a low end from Lenovo, but my kids used it in high school and it's, it runs IGEL just fine. <laughs> it's not a very powerful one. I'm not going to do a bunch of teams calls on it, but it, it'll get the job done if I just wanted to browse or, or whatever. Cause so. Chris, the truth, the truth is those hardware guys don't care. They care about the hardware. They don't care what OS you run on top of them. It's, they're starting to, yeah, that's really, um, it was interesting, right? Because when I when I came here, I, I partnered up with a guy that was at Dell prior to iGel, and he actually had some scenarios like, look, like he went back to some of his old colleagues, said, you you sell the hardware, I have a better operating system, let's let's partner together. And in some cases, they were like, yeah, that's fine, I don't really care about the OS, I'll let you guys handle that. All right, uh, Ben. You're kind of the voice well, of the customer, the voice of the CIO on this call. I, well, so where I'm off to now, man, I've got my future hat on here, wondering when IGEL becomes a subscription service where you take your phone and go, hey, I want to run the IGEL platform on it and just run IGEL across all of my platform and then just go to whatever subscription services I've, I'm you know, subscribed to, whether it be Microsoft, Google, whatever, but I, I kind of see a little glimpse of a market market strategy there where they could become, you know, subscription based and convert your old whatever to them. And they're your entry point into the into the SaaS world. So, you know, all those Windows mobile phones that were uh, they tried. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, to, uh, the subscription. <laughs> Hopefully they got a laugh out of somebody in the audience. But uh no, um, so iGel, as far as the subscription, uh, we will in 2022, uh, the operating system will be fully subscription-based. Uh, so there'll be some pieces there. Now, uh, and, th- and then we're going to begin to model things slightly differently where, where you have subscriptions to these SaaS-based things, and you'll see more of that coming. So expect more to... Um, I would say we're starting to announce some of those disrupts that we had around the country. Uh, we we kind of talked through some of that. If you did not attend, that's fine. Uh, we actually had one last week where we had pretty good attendance, Andy, I think. I don't know, 100 plus people. So word's getting out uh, about the future versions of iGel. It'll be OS 12 and UMS 12 for those that understand our our, our uh, numbering schemes. But a lot of really cool stuff is being developed um, to take advantage of, of sort of the future and where things are going or already are, I should say. So Ben, to your point, it is them decoupling the software from the hardware and saying, okay, run the software where, anywhere you want and then make it portable. Like Chris mentioned a while ago, it's it's already becoming subscription and into next year, they're going to become more and more able to be licensed as a subscription through vendors or partners like Zintegra, where you can do it by the month, by the device. 
kind of what you said. Next step will be streaming it. <laughs> don't go there please all right <laughs> well guys i appreciate you jumping on we're we're out of time and i think we covered it pretty well uh, i will highlight something i had one the second to last paragraph here talks about the agile ecosystem and 110 technology partners what this means to me is you take citrix and then by proxy of igel there's a whole bunch of other technology partners that become citrix enabled instantly because of the igel relationship with said partner uh, whether it's the headphones we were talking about before we hit record or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, monitors, keyboards, mice, uh, I could go on and on, whether it's softwares like Improvata, things that uh, may have to go through its own processing um, uh, readiness campaign through Windows is part of the iGel readiness program already. And if it works in iGel, therefore it works in Citrix. That's kind of the plan is if, if there if you have two vendors that are three or whatever are part of that and there has been a, some sort of validation that type of thing so um, we're we're very excited about it very bullish and and uh, we're every week we have vendors knocking on our door so that's exciting and chances are you customer are not going to have to go ask for this validation it's already done or in progress that's what makes this whole relationship this kumbaya we're in it together kind of thing day one uh, day one release supportability, um, IGEL differentiated from all the others. Yep. And my job is to make sure our partners like Zintegra are, are well-informed about all this so they can go talk to their customers. So. And Citrix folks like Ben. I mean, it's it, uh, it, there's not enough of you and and Citrix, Citrix yeah. folks that know exactly the IGEL, how IGEL kind of completes the sentence for Citrix. Yeah, that, that's an important story for me to know, because a lot of times I'm in talking to people that are asking the questions that I have, you know, take me to the through the process. It's easy to make a decision today. It's harder to make a decision for what tomorrow is going to look like. And that's where I think some of this stuff is tr strategic. And the more I know about it, the more I can kind of set that vision for our customers of, you know, you're just getting started here. This is going to be a journey like CNSA still going through the journey. Yeah. There's still pieces here that I hear from this conversation. I go, we could implement that there. We could implement that there. So I don't think a, a business and an organization will ever be done tackling these problems. Yeah. And remember, it ain't Windows. It ain't Windows. <laughs> well, what was that phrase? <laughs> Call Claire and say, hey, can you start working on some T-shirts for kickoff? <laughs> it ain't Windows, but it still works. That's my IGEL phrase. All right, gentlemen. Well, I appreciate the time and we'll do it again uh, next week. Thanks, Chris, for joining. Yeah, take care, guys. Yeah, everybody have a good one.